Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Lewis on the Fanalytics podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ada Chong. Hello, people. Thanks for listening in to us. Today, we want to talk about a, well, I think it's very much a fandom-based story, so a question about fan behavior, but in a slightly different context, and that is the, well, the, the context of ESPN. ESPN has long been, well, I think their tagline has always been the worldwide leader in sports, and I think they've become the de facto source of sports information and sports commentary for big, big chunk of the population. Sometimes uh, in marketing, we'll use the term top of mind and when we do market research. And name a fast food restaurant. McDonald's. Okay. Name a soft drink. Coke. Coke, right? And, you know, I could, with pretty high degree of certainty, write down what she's going to say when I, when I ask those questions. And so what's, a, what's the source for sports information? ESPN. ESPN. But ESPN has been... I don't know, let's say struggling over the, the past couple of years and trying to reinvent themselves. And, I, you know, as a, as a caveat, I'll say, I think, you know, a lot of this stuff is not ESPN's fault. I mean, the world is changing. The world of communications is changing. Every once in a while, you'll hear a news story that ESPN lost this many subscribers. Well, you know, that's really not a lot about ESPN. It's just because people are turning off their cable TV, right? I mean, Ada, do you have cable TV? I do, but that's because I'm a super... TV fan, but I know a lot of things are going digital now. People stream Netflix, Hulu on their phones, and a lot of people don't watch TV anymore, I feel like. Well, amongst your peers, how often, how many of them have cable TV? Not a lot of them, I'd say. And, you know, it's been this progression over years, right? Where, um, you know, when I grew up or even, you know, you go back 15, 20 years, you know, just about everyone still had a morning newspaper delivered. Like, do you know anyone that gets a morning newspaper delivered? No, no, (laughs) not anymore. And I think the same type of thing is had with cable TV. So, you know, these these companies find themselves trying to reinvent themselves. And what we want to talk about today is probably ESPN's most dramatic effort to reinvent themselves. And so traditionally, I think it's safe to say that ESPN's flagship programming has been SportsCenter. And that has been some folks sitting at news desks 
watching highlights, giving a little bit of light commentary. And they've replaced it with, well, what you, you describe what they replaced it with. They replaced it with this show called Get Up with three anchors. And they try to do a format where it's more morning show, like, um, like Good Morning America. Yeah, sitting around a table, sort of light breakfast kind of banter. Yeah. I, I think it's also similar to the type of radio shows you hear a lot in just about every major market where there's, there's a guy... There's a there's a female co-host and there's a, there's another guy adding some color. I, I've actually heard it referred to as sort of the stunt boy role. So sort of the wild guy doing the interesting stuff while the other two sort of keep things together. Yeah. So let's talk about how the situation kind of went downhill. <laughs> well, and then get a little bit more background because so ESPN over the last couple of years has found themselves responding to the market. So some very high-profile layoffs of laying off a lot of talent to cut costs. There's been some efforts to reinvent the Sports Center format, with the most notorious being the what they referred to as the Woke Center. So the idea of they they started to bring in more political commentary into into Sports Center, and then Get Up was sort of the the latest iteration. I think Get Up, uh, you have the notes there, started in April of this year? Yeah, it premiered on April 2nd. And, and, and today, as we do this on uh, September 5th, we're almost doing a retrospective, right? In that they've already sort of gone into restructuring the Get Up program. So Get Up included three hosts. It was Mike Greenberg uh, from Mike and Mike, uh, Michelle Beadle, and Jalen Rose. And so Mike Greenberg is very much kind of a sports journalist type, not a former player. Came to, you know, his claim to fame was the radio show with Mike Golick, where they definitely played. And I don't know if you, have you ever seen that, that show or that uh, radio show or TV version? No, I haven't. Very much kind of an odd couple pairing. So Golick is a sort of big, gruff guy and sort of almost lightly teasing uh, Greenberg quite a bit on the show who, you know, I'll use the word nebbish, kind of maybe sort of a nerdy kind of counterpoint to the to the brusque kind of gruff athlete. Then they added uh, Michelle Beadle, and, and I think that was sort of the biggest challenge of the show, of what was her role going to be in terms of working with Greenberg, and then the former jock in, in Jalen Rose. Do you think they had good chemistry? What do you think the issue was with the hosts? I think there were multiple things that, that really hurt the show. I, I think number one was this thing really felt formulaic. Okay? You know, it was almost like a show that seemed designed by a focus group where it was like, well, let's take one one from this category, one from that category, one from this category, with those categories being, let's take the sports journalist, we got to add the female counterpoint, and now we need the ex-jock. I don't think there was any particular chemistry uh, across the trio trio at all. But the to me, the other question is, why, well, why would you expect there to be any chemistry? They didn't seem to know each other particularly well. They didn't seem to have let's say, viewpoints that put them, viewpoints where they were coming at issues from different directions. There wasn't, I don't know, teasing is the right word, there wasn't the teasing that um, was so evident on on Mike and Mike. I think the most effort I saw of anyone trying to um, 
develop some some chemistry was a, a couple of weeks into the show it seemed like they had asked Michelle Beadle to be a little bit more snarky to try and be a little bit more playful on the air with with Greenberg but you know it was an effort but I, I don't know why there, anyone would have actually expected that to work yeah it just seems kind of forced and there were a lot of factors too coming into it that I feel like contributed to maybe it not being as successful as they hoped it would be you mentioned the layoffs um, they're paying these three hosts how much money? Do you remember? Um, I want to say, you know, the the, the payment, the, the salaries of the hosts was a big part of the launch story. It seems like just about every media outlet picked up on that. And, and I think all these things are related. When you're going through a round of layoffs, and then as you retool, you start to put enormous dollars into a new show, it's going to potentially... You know, cre- create some consumer backlash, and you know, and, and look, I I don't know how aware most consumers are of the the salaries, but given, you know, given that this is a program that is only reaching two, three hundred thousand people at a time, this is a pretty narrow segment of the population. This is a very hardcore group. They may be very well aware. The numbers that were cited in media outlets were, I think, about six million for Greenberg. About five million for Michelle Beadle and four million for Jalen Rose. Yeah, and then this came as you said during layoffs, and also I'm reading this Fox News article right now, and it says that the show struggled to reach three hundred thousand viewers on most days. Right, and so think about what that number really represents. That's point one percent of the population, basically. That's a little less than point one percent of the U.S. population. Yeah, my question is if Sports Center was successful before this why do you think they're trying to fix something that wasn't broken well i I think it's an effort to reinvent themselves so it kind of comes back full circle that you know espn is looking at their world as something that's changing espn you know back in the day was the sports juggernaut and they responded by signing some expensive deals for content but then the world started to change People stopped watching TV. They started watching, you know, I, I just want to use my handheld device. Well, let's just also say that the, the population changed. The population has evolved quite a bit over the last, let's say, over ESPN's glory days, so that they may be targeting a very different mentality or political leaning type of person that in, in 2018 that they were targeting in 1998. It's not that long ago that ESPN, as an experiment, brought in Rush Limbaugh as part of their NFL package. You know, it was Mike Ditka, Rush Limbaugh, you know, guys that seem to have a very conservative bent. You fast forward to 2018, and they seem to have moved very much in, in the other direction. And so part of this this move was that to a format like Get Up versus SportsCenter, is there's, I think there's more opportunity for this kind of commentary. You know, it's not just a highlight. Suddenly the, these hosts can, one one host can push away from the table, a guest can come in, and there can be a, what, a three or four minute, I'm trying to figure what the right length is because it, it seems very short when I say it, but I suspect it's very long to watch, a three or four kind of detailed segment. Yeah, well, let's look at how things are now. Um, so they made a lot of changes to the show after they didn't get the ratings that they wanted. Michelle Beadle, she's moving to L.A., She's relocating from New York to L.A. to host the NBA countdown. They're also cutting the show an hour. So it used to be from 7 to 10 a.m. and now it's 8 to 10 a.m. Right. Which, 
you know, the, those two things, it seems like Michelle Beadle has essentially become the scapegoat for this. On a personal level, I actually found her the most interesting of the, the hosts. She seemed to be the one that was the most interesting kind of commentary. But she seems to have been the big loser in this. And, you know, to some extent it makes sense. If they were, The idea was they would build this new show around Mike Greenberg uh, with the logic being that he was going to bring over the Mike and Mike audience, then she was clearly the expendable one. What does the future hold for for her? Who knows? I mean, I think the other thing that was interesting about Beatle is she was a little bit of a lightning rod in all this because of her salary as well. Because while Mike and Mike was a pretty well-known brand with an established audience, it wasn't clear what the logic for bringing in a Michelle Beadle at $5 million was. One of the things that we talk a lot about in let's say in sports, is the idea of replacement value, which means that you know, you're know you trying to figure out what each individual component of a team is bringing and you're setting payroll based on that. If you have that type of mentality to the show, you can only conclude that she was probably grossly, grossly overpaid. And so I, you know, we don't know how that contract was written, but it does seem like she was the she was the easiest and the most obvious thing to jettison as you try and rebuild the show. I know there was controversy surrounding her because she said she was done watching football because of the way the NFL handled domestic violence. So people are wondering how she would host a morning show if she doesn't watch football. Well, and I I think the reason for the timing of ESPN's move is that, well, and, you know, to some extent, they gave the show about six months before they started making changes. NFL season for sports properties or sports media is kind of like Christmas time for retailing. The NFL season is where all the fan interest comes from. And so, you know, they really wanted to have, you know, they wanted to have their ducks in a row. They wanted to know what they were going to do with this as the NFL season begins because this is going to be their best shot to acquire an audience because suddenly they're going to get a bunch of fresh eyeballs looking at ESPN and they've got to put a product out there that they think is going to work with that potential group of new viewers and if Beatle is on record Michelle Beatle is on record saying that she's not a fan of the NFL and her comments were pretty harsh weren't they in terms of like really just almost along the lines of the NFL doesn't respect women and makes it difficult for women to cover them that may have been uh, again something that added to the decision to to move her out in favor of well in favor of I think what they're going with is a panel of or sort of a rotating cast of female anchors. Yeah. I mean, another thing to note, too, that I didn't mention earlier, Rose will also, will whole remain a co-host on days that he doesn't have any NBA countdown responsibilities. And then they're also going to rotate co-hosts to replace Beatle. I think that's a big issue when there's no consistency in the hosts, because people build relationships with the anchors by watching them. And if there's someone different every week... I think this is why this is such a marketing and programming mess, right? Because if the issue is chemistry, and now I'm going to bring in a different co-host every week, where's the chemistry going to come from? Exactly. So in terms of the content, how are you going to develop chemistry? But I love what you said about the relationship, because I think a big part of the idea of this kind of format for a show is that I'm essentially having coffee with my friends, Mike, Michelle, and Jalen every morning. Okay, now we have a new friend every every week. We've got these two, and then this random person pops in. It seems like they're, they're, they've got this standard kind of morning show playbook, but they're not going to implement it in the standard way. Exactly. Like viewers at home, 
They have their favorites and that's who they want to watch. I mean, you can relate it to academia. It's like having a new substitute teacher rotating every week. How do you get into their flow? How do you connect with them? You don't build that relationship with them. Well, or even just standard marketing. You think of, you just imagine some product that has three attributes and the third attribute just changes every week, right? It's like, well, there's no set logo. It's always a little bit different. And it's a funny thing for non-marketers to think of, but people have relationships with the products and the brands in their life. And, you know, entertainment products are, are just that. It's just another, it's another brand. I mean, you look at the most successful media people over time, and again, you know, I, I hate to age myself, but you know, people like to see Johnny Carson late at night. People like to drive to the work, drive to work with Howard Stern, and and I actually use those kind of older examples for for a reason at this point. I think one of the things that really is going to challenge media moving forward is that if everyone's cutting the cord, everyone's moving to the devices, everyone's consuming content via YouTube on their hand. Are you going to be able to develop those those relationships? Are people going to have the same Katie Couric or Matt Lauer in their house for years? And if the answer is no, then how are we going to reinvent the media? Yeah. So the million-dollar question now is, how do you think the show's going to do with all these new changes? you think it's going to be better or stay the same? Hearing what you, some of the stuff that they've floated in terms of what they're going to do with the show... I truly have no idea. I mean, this sounds like they're in almost complete panic mode where, you know, they've invested heavily in Greenberg. They're going to keep him at the sort of the the anchor portion of the circular table, right? The guy that's looking sort of head on at the camera. And now they're going to try and rebuild the pieces around him. But it doesn't sound like they have much of a plan. They have a rotating panel of female co-hosts. Jalen Rose will be there when he has time, <laughs> apart from his... um his other duties. And so where's the consistency going to be? Is the bet now going to be placed 100% on Mike Greenberg? You know, which is an interesting thing, given that his career was really him being developed as part of a team with a fairly unique back and forth. Now he's going to be alone in all that. And so my suspicion is that they've invested a lot. And maybe what they're in is now experimental mode. And they're going to try different things. If I'm ESPN, I'm almost leaning towards trying to find another Mike Golick. That was the chemistry that worked. So as I'm putting in different female or, you know, different, you know, former athlete co-hosts, can I find someone that actually clicks with Greenberg and gets that kind of that back and forth that the audience really seemed to like him playing a role in? Yeah. To be continued. To be continued. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Like I said, a little bit of a different topic here. But, you know, what we think about here at at the Fanalytics podcast is essentially everything related to fandom, everything related to consumer loyalty, if you want to go even farther with with decomposing what we're doing. We love this stuff. I I love this stuff, Ada. I love being able to talk... um, talk beyond sort of the basics of sports so thanks for coming on today of course so for all of you out there always appreciate you guys listening please you know like us and subscribe via itunes you know we're trying to build something here i actually think what we're trying to build is actually kind of a free program on analytics right so it's like you can you know a a new model for education of here's some free marketing, sports marketing, analytics content. So, you know, please come with us on this journey. So again, until next time, thanks guys.